Hey gang, just letting you know that this was recorded a couple weeks ago. We had a commentary track that we did with this episode. That will be after the ending of the episode. Also, I wanted to remind you guys that we have a Facebook page. And now we also have a Twitter account. So just look for us. Uh, It's A Aficionados on Twitter and Animation Aficionados on Facebook. The Webcast Beacon Network has been covering and promoting creativity and the creative process since 2007. With the Webcomic Beacon, its newscast, the Tropecast, and Web Fiction World. You know, you can take a break from stupid things on Tumblr to go look at something useful. I would feel cheated if one of my friends said, hey, I wanted to share this comic book, and they gave me three pages torn out of the comic book. <laughs> Depends upon whether or not the action girl is capable of penetrating the wall of stock footage that the magic girl throws up while she's prepping. Not her. only hung over but I also accidentally ate spoiled cream cheese, so I also had my own food poisoning. Anti-traditional publishing much? Um, no, it's not, nothing to do with that. You'd have to be buried like hazmat, like in a salt mine. <laughs> <laughs> For three years, I've shown up once a week and tried to be serious. It's <laughs> <laughs> normally we just sit around talking about boobs, but... Uh... Web comics, comic news, tropes, and web fiction, all at webcastbeacon.com. Hello and welcome again to Animation Aficionados. I'm your host, Ben, and we're joined by my co-host, TV's Mr. Neil. I'm your guide for the world of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> and we have with us uh, Pablo Prino. Salutations. And tonight we're talking about Dungeons and Dragons, the uh, 1980s uh, Marvel Productions animated series animated by Toei. And produced by Marvel Productions. That's true. One of the very earliest Marvel Productions. One of the ones that don't suck. Yeah. Back when we started this podcast, we were watching the 90s Marvel cartoon. Late 80s, 90s. Yeah, and we were kind of wondering where Marvel went wrong, and starting with this, we're going to explore that. Yeah. Okay, get ready for a mouthful here. The history of Marvel productions, I'm going to go all the way back to the to the 60s. It began in the early to mid-1960s, uh, but not necessarily where you think. Some of our listeners might think that I'm going to go to the Spider-Man cartoons. Uh, No. Actually, the studio itself opened well before Marvel was involved. Uh, David DePatty and Frizz Freeling uh, were the earliest owners of the studio. They quit Warner Brothers and opened DePatty Freeling Enterprises. It was an animation company that was later then hired back by Warner Brothers to produce... Uh, the the dying days of the Looney Tunes shorts. They they produced the very last ones from like I don't know 1964 to 1969, and uh, but beside that they were probably best known for another cartoon star that emerged ironically enough from a live action series starting starring Peter Sellers, uh, and that is known as the Pink Panther. An unusual deal was made between MGM and DePatty Freeling which would enable the cartoon company to co-own the Pink Panther character uh, when, they were, when they were commissioned to animate the opening credits to the first film. They also did a series of cartoons based on Inspector Clouseau, as well as originals like The Ant and the Aardvark, Roland and Ratfink, Hoot Clute, and a lot of other cartoons. Uh, they also animated several classics such as uh, The Cat in the Hat, The Lorax, The Bear Who Slept Through Christmas, and a Dennis the Menace a TV special known as Mayday for Mother. In the late 70s, they, they started producing cartoons for Marvel. Uh, I think it was the Fantastic Four and Spider-Woman. 
and by the early 80s, the Patty Freeling was bought out by Marvel Comics to become Marvel Productions. Uh, I think the Patty stayed on and Freeling retired. One of the very last the Patty Freeling cartoons was Pink at First Sight. It was the very last classic Pink Panther cartoon. Uh, featured animator Nelson Shin, who will become more infamous as the series of Marvel Slumbo goes on. Uh, Marvel Productions began making properties for, for Hulk and Spider-Man. You'll, we're going to do Spider-Man and his amazing friends later on. They also produced two shows for Jim Henson Productions, uh, Muppet Babies, of course, and a cartoon version of Fraggle Rock. Later, they would produce cartoons for Space Cats, Defenders of the Earth, Dino Riders, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, Kid and Play, Robocop, Biker Mice from Mars, and many, many other cartoons that will make us cringe. Uh, as you can see, the ball was already dropped well before the X-Men cartoons started, Ben. <laughs> Most famously, Marvel Productions would be known for its team-up with Sunbow to produce cartoons of Hasbro properties such as Charmkins, G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Humanoids, Gem, Robotics, Super Sunday, and My Little Pony and Friends. Uh, but today we're going to cheat because this is, not a, this is not a Sunbow production, nor is it a Hasbro property. Dungeons & Dragons is a TRS property, and the reason we're starting with this one is because this is where things really got started for Marvel. This is the this is their earliest hit. It came before either G.I. Joe or Transformers. I think it even predates Muppet Babies. And most importantly, this is the earliest point, I believe, that American audiences really got a good look at the strengths of Japanese animation. Alright, well, the cartoon starts with, uh, with these uh, kids. They're uh, going on a roller coaster ride because having them being sucked into the world while playing a tabletop would have frightened the hell out of uh, parents. Yeah. Because this is around the time where the tabletop was demonized. There was even a Tom Hanks made-for-TV movie produced by CBS on about the evils of Dungeons & Dragons. Well, that, that was our conjecture on that, that they didn't want to... Who knows if they ever thought of doing of using the tabletop in the cartoon, but that was our conjecture that they, that they purposely went, for, went with the roller coaster. Because if they got sucked into the game... They probably would have gotten angry letters at CBS. But, yeah, by the way, Mazes and Monsters is worth a rent if you want to see it. The uh, Tom Hanks made-for-TV evil Dungeons & Dragons movie is hilarious. Also aired on CBS, ironically enough. And the funny thing is this. It's, uh, if you look at the, if you look at the, the uh, DVD cover, you'll, you'll think it's like a movie from the 2000s. No, it's a movie from 1983. <laughs> what, what it is is the people who... The, produced the DVD were, like, a little dishonest with the cover. <laughs> oh, the tiny page. All in the name of merchandising. Yeah. And, and like I said, Dungeons & Dragons has, the tabletop has been demonized unfairly because you're just, you're just sitting around a table rolling dice. Yeah. And, and then, you know, Jack Ch Chick took his stab at it. Uh, CBS took their stab at it. It's, it's, it, it's, it's way too far. It's, it's just rolling dice. I've only oh. played twice, but, you know, it's not my thing, but I know it's not evil and going to suck my soul. Oh, it's such a pity. Uh, we all know that Barbie dolls are the ones that do that. After all, they are the basic role models for girls. That's, that's soul smashing. All in a one plastic little casing. Yeah, the reaction to Dungeons and Dragons was kind of like it, it was almost as if kids were playing with a Necronomicon or something. 
<laughs> well, Plot it did have a book that had monsters in it. Plot two? Barana? <laughs> I think that's how the I think that's how uh, Presto did most of his magic. Was just like just like uh, make up make up spells on the spot and make them rhyme and put on my fingers and shit. Yeah. Well, maybe it's this whole problem about children using their imaginations and stuff. I mean, but, that's yeah. why it gets sent to the shrink, usually. But for kids who didn't grow up in the 80s that don't understand how big this Dungeons & Dragons pers- persecution is, uh, it, it's sort of like what, what happened with uh, Pokemon in the 90s with all the Pokemon burnings. Oh, yeah. Yeah, basically. Because uh, because churches were like, this teaches evolution, and you have monsters throwing <laughs> horns, so this is demonic and, and, uh, and this liberal agenda and all this. Oh. I shit you not. I shit you not. That's what happened in the 90s. You know, you yeah. remember that, right? Oh, yes. I remember how much the, how much it was such an evil agenda to teach scientific facts. But, no, no, it's, it's that, first of all, the evolution of Pokemon is not anywhere near based on science. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah, uh, anyone with even a cursory understanding of how evolution works, uh... Pokemon, it's not even close. Yeah, if if you can shove a rock up an animal's ass and make it turn to another animal, I'd like to see it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just a scene. I I got nothing with rock stuffing or anything like that. But uh, moving on back to Dungeons, <laughs> back to Dungeons Dragons. Uh, yeah, it's uh, this cartoon was a fun cartoon. It uh, you have characters like Hank the Ranger who was like the leader, and he has a uh, he has a magic bow with no string until he wants to pull. Until he wants to pull the string. Pull the string! Yes. Pull the string! Pull the string! Mistakes made. And you have, you have Eric the Cavalier, who uh, not only concealed from any attack, he also gets great mi- gas mileage. Oh, not that kind of Cavalier. <laughs> Eric is also the best character in the whole series. He he he's the one that's that's always that that's always uh, a skeptic. Yeah, and he's always whining, and usually he gets his come up. It's quite regularly, but he always has the best lines, and he's. I remember he's one episode hard. when he was given the role of dungeon master. <laughs> when I was rewatching the series, I I think I, I definitely did not see the episode. That's a good episode. Yeah, I'm going to definitely watch more episodes after this show is over. But yeah, I definitely remember the one where, where uh, the Cavalier was the Dungeon Master for one episode. And then you have Diana the Acrobat, who is always in a skimpy uh, animal fur bikini and always doing flips. And we love that here at Animation Vision. <laughs> and her power is she has she has a Goku's staff. Yeah. It, yeah, it is. It, it's a staff that... I was trying to remember which other cartoon character did that. Yeah, it's like this <laughs> small stick, that w- but when she holds it out, it, it grows. Not unlike Lion-O's sword. Tara's uh, staff grows, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, it's a trope now. I wonder if they have this on TV tropes. Yes, they do. It's Actually, there's a name for this staff. This staff actually belonged to uh, the Monkey King in a Journey to the West. Uh, it's, why, uh, does not, why does that not surprise me? Because that... that, that Story seems to come up a lot. Well, actually, Dragon Ball is like is like a parody of Dirt Journey to the West. If you yeah, because because the Monkey King in Japanese is Song Goku. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I grew up in Korea, so it was Son Wulong. So. Yeah. 
<laughs> but moving, moving back. But I, I just never realized how, how common that story was, you know, until, like, I started becoming familiar with it. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's in this cartoon. It's in this cartoon. It's in Monkey it's Magic in, for some reason. Yeah, it's in, it's in an episode <laughs> that, of... That's a joke because Monkey Magic was Journey to the West. Yeah, it's in an episode of uh, Inuyasha, I think. And, oh, God it, damn it. Yeah, I'm sorry. But, it, it, yeah, it's in a lot of anime and finds its way into Western cartoons, too. But, yeah, moving back on to the name of the characters, you have uh, Presto the Magician, whose real name is Albert. And the thing is this, in the cartoon, they implied heavily that Presto is the most powerful of them all easily, except for the fact that he's not very good. And his yeah. power is he can he can literally pull things out of his hat. And he usually oh. fails. But Although it kind of works I, out. I, I, bet that was, uh, I bet that was great for the writers. <laughs> oh, you can tell they It's like, it. how do we solve this? Well, Presto pulls something out of his hat. Out of his uh, hat. Yeah, it was more like, time for a joke. Yeah, he pulls a cow out of his hat. A whole cow! Although there was one episode where he actually did get what he wanted, because they were they were trapped in a swamp, and, and uh, the Cavalier says, I don't know, pull out an aircraft carrier, and he does pull out an aircraft carrier, full size. Whoa. Yeah. That's some strong forearms he's got there. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on, we have... Uh, Sheila the Thief, who is famous for giving panty shots. Oh, yeah. It's only in the first episode, but she does have a really short skirt anyway. So. In her first episode, I got a comic book where she does the same thing. I, I can only blame the character design on such a short skirt. <laughs> and she also she also has a cloak that when she pulls the hood on, she goes invisible. Yeah. I, I can only assume that that was the Japanese animation team not being aware of what the network standards were. I'm surprised that got aired. I'm surprised they didn't. Well, re- back regarding back. the the well, the, that same thing. That's why Sheila is never referred as the thief uh, in the actual scripts, only in the intro sequence. Mm. You know, a, like, thief, a thief should have some throwing weapons, but no, she just runs around with a uh, with with a cloak. Well, uh, you also get a, a thing that the ninja turtles in Europe are called the hero turtles because the word ninja is too violent. Well, that, so, would, that, that, would, that would make the dub of Naruto in England so interesting. <laughs> I would almost watch that just to see what they do with that. Yeah, Except for the fact that Naruto is shit, and I don't want to watch it. There's also an interesting <laughs> note on that in the, the G.I. Joe cartoon, but we'll, we'll get to that one. International later. Heroes, yes. Well, not no, not that. I'll, I'll tell you later. Action Heroes or something like that? Anyways. Yeah, it was called Action that. Force, I think it yeah. was. And then there, there's uh, Bobby the Barbarian, who's like this spunky young boy with, with a big, big tree branch that he can, like, bang around. Yeah, he speaks softly and carries a big stick. He doesn't speak softly. He's always talking shit. Yeah, but he does have, like, he does have a woman's voice as a... I know, but uh, he, 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 no, he's voiced by Ted Field. Really? Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, that's right. Marvel did get like actual kid actors. No, he, he no. The thing is this: in the first episode, you have this little kid who, who's eight, and he walks up to Tiamat with a tree branch and is like, "Say, come on, I can take you on." And people <laughs> have to save his dumb ass. So he's like Scrappy. Yes. Except he's actually better than. Marvel power. Yeah. <laughs> and that brings us to <laughs> that brings us to Uni the Unicorn, voiced by Frank Welker who's Bobby's pet, and he just 
keeps on going, eh, eh. They got a history for like doing stuff like that with me. And finally is Dungeon Master, and no, that's not an animation error. His head is shaped like a potato. <laughs> he shows up just to give cryptic clues, and then disappears again doing the Batman thing where he disappears as soon as you don't look at him. And the thing is this, he could help them anytime he wants, he just doesn't. Yeah. And then you can tell he, he, really, he really enjoys not being helpful. He enjoys being a bastard. Yeah. He like gives them a riddle and then walks around a rock, and they follow him around the rock, but he's not there. And then there are the villains, Venger, voiced by Peter Cullen. Yeah. And the thing is this, if there's ever anybody who's not Dungeon Master that's helping them, it's most likely Venger disguised as whoever, because that happened multiple times in this show. Yeah, you'd, you'd think they'd catch on after a while. Oh, this guy's being really helpful. I wonder if it's Venger. <laughs> <laughs> and the other arch nemesis isn't quite as uh, subtle. It's Tiamat, voiced by Frank Welker, who is actually Avengers Arts Nemesis. It's like two bad guys that are two different factions. And, uh, you know, Tiamat just wants to wreck shit. He wants to destroy anybody. He doesn't care if it's the kids. He doesn't care if it's Avenger. He just wants to wreck shit. And after people got into that thing of his of wrecking shit, they started building larger doors so he could just open the door and walk <laughs> in instead of crashing the walls. Yeah. Yeah, there's lots of Tiamat-sized doors in this cartoon. <laughs> it's like, okay, just come in and, like, destroy the table and just walk out. We don't want to, like, build the wall again. <laughs> and, uh, like I said, the biggest thing is this cartoon, is, the whole thing is, is they always do it where they're looking for a way home. They... You know, in con- you know, con- you know, consequently help some village out in the end, and then try to find another way home in the next episode. That's the, that's the whole thing. Their their whole their whole drive is to find a way home. It's the exact opposite of every Dungeons and Dragons uh, adventure I ever played with my friends. We always ended up burning up the village, <laughs> or the village chasing us out. So you know that 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 sure shows that we didn't take these guys as role models. Yeah, but uh, one thing is really funny is series developer Mark Evanier actually said that Eric's contrary nature was mandated by parents' groups to push the then-dominant pro-social moral for cartoons of the group is always right, the complainer is always wrong. Aww. But I think he was always wrong, which is which is unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, it is, because if he was the guy that's saying, you know what, this guy's way too helpful, he might be Vendor. He's like, shut up, Eric, and then all of a sudden he's right. He's like, see, see. <laughs> yeah, as, as you get older I, that, and crankier, you you suddenly realize that Eric should be right more often. Yeah, I, I think they did that in a pub named Scooby Doo. Red uh, herring. Yeah, with Fred always saying it's gotta be, <laughs> and in one episode he actually was. There. Yeah. That's my favorite episode. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Because that was the episode where Freddy swore that he would not accuse uh, Red Herring, and then all the clues started pointing toward Red Herring. And he, and he actually cries when they discover Red Herring. <laughs> that was fun. Oh, the 80s. Back when cartoons knew how to be fun. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, Dungeons and Dragons, uh, 27 episodes. Uh, 24 minutes long each, uh, three seasons, so they knew how to stretch things on. And there was an, a final episode that was never produced. It was written but never produced, which uh, which revealed that 
reveal that Venger is the Dungeon Master's son. Yep. Oh. And uh, and it revealed that. Uh, well, spoiler alert! If you if you haven't read the uh, haven't read the script yet, you might want to skip ahead about a minute. But it revealed that uh, that the kid that the reason that the kids were there were to redeem Venger all along. And uh, once once they once they turned Venger good, then they had the option to go home, or they could continue in the land of Dungeons and Dragons and solve more evil. And it was going it was going to be a finale that left it open for a fourth season. And it's probably for the better that they didn't get a fourth season because the next season was going to take place in an Oriental Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, but yeah. Even even worse than that, it, it would have been uh, 86 was around that time when Toei was getting a little too expensive, a little too... Uh, Acom, you think? A little too cranky, and they shifted to Acom. Yeah, because uh, Transformers shifted to Acom, and uh, My- Muppet Baby shifted to Acom. Dungeons and Dragons would have followed suit. Muppet Baby was able to get consistent results, though. It yeah, could they, have gotten worse. It could have gone to Dick. But Think about that. We would have gotten space Dungeons and Dragons or something like that. Oh, God, that's right. Yeah, Deke. God, I, I would love to figure out why Deke was so... Well, so Deke wasn't Deke. always bad, but... Yeah, because Deke, Deke also outsourced to Toei, and they actually did have good cartoons for a short time. Uh, Deke time. is good for one particular type of cartoon. However, uh, it's not good at taking up legacies and... You well, know. actually, Heathcliff was pretty good. Yeah, Heathcliff and uh, Inspector Gadget were probably... Yeah, but that was like the first they time like they did uh, Remember the G.I. Joe cartoon by Dick? Let's yeah. not talk about that again. Yeah, well, okay. I mean, that's that's when they dropped the ball for me. Yeah, I would go to for them. When we get to G.I. Joe, I think we'll talk about uh, Operation Dragonfire and nothing after that. Yeah, but... <laughs> When you watch Dungeons and Dragons, just keep in mind that that yeah, there there were lots of interesting episodes. And the whole thing about the Dungeon Master being Venger's father, there were hints of that in season two. Uh, you know, episode twenty, the whole run, the Dragon's Graveyard hinted that, where uh, where the kids show up in the Dragon's Graveyard, where it's just basically a pile of a bunch of dragon bones. And I wonder how they were able to get that through the through the censors. And by the way, this is a, this was an episode where the kids were tired of always running from Venger so much, so they asked Dungeon Master to help them find a way to kill Venger. They're like, we're tired of running from this bitch. We want to kill this bitch. They're like, okay, you go to the dungeon, you go to the dragon's graveyard. And it turns out when they're in the dragon's graveyard, they get like plus five on their magical weapons as an environmental bonus. <laughs> oh, nice. So they were about to kill Venger when they're like, when when they stop. When they stop, and they're like, no, we can't kill a man when he's down. So they let him go, and uh, and actually this is a scene where Dungeon Master helps Venger up and says, rise, my son. Oh. That's not subtle at all. <laughs> well, I said it was a hint. I, I didn't I say, say it. it's in it. It's spoiling it. But that's what was in the episode. It's You can watch it. It was there. I've seen it happen. And this is actually an episode where Tiamat helps the kids by saying... By saying in the in the dragon's graveyard, your weapons are much stronger, and Whoa. yeah, that's that's nice. That's thoughtful writing. Someone actually said, "Oh, so this happens in the game. Let's put it on the show." What? But that was actually in the in the game. Well, uh, environmental bonuses. They were. I was making shit up. 
<laughs> well, it, I, I, didn't that happen in the episode or something? I know, I, I guess something like that happens every time a Dungeon Master gets, you know, like, okay, I gotta give something to my car, to my players instead of just dropping giant stamets over those giant doors. Um, every time I ever played the, the tabletop, my, my Dungeon Master always did that kind of shit to me, like, always, always kept on making it like a, like a uh, death match. Oh, yeah, it's always that. It's, it's a Dungeon Master versus the players. And yeah. then the five Tiamats come out of the five giant doors. <laughs> <laughs> and you're screwed. Show your dice to see in how many pieces you end up. <laughs> uh, please, use the D100. For me, for me though, it's uh, <laughs> no. Like I said, this this is not a primer for the tabletop at all, mm-hmm. at all. It's uh, <laughs> but it is a much better representation of the property than the than the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Oh yeah. Look, look. My holding is this: <laughs> if you talk about an A's cartoon versus a a movie with a Wayne brother in it about an A's cartoon, the '80s cartoon's always better. Just like GI Joe. That's where I was going with that, yes. <laughs> because because a Wayan brother in a movie is like uh, is like a Cree summer role in a cartoon. I don't know. I don't know which one that's a bigger insult to. <laughs> Probably the Cree summer because Cree summer does do. Occasional good voices. We're gonna get like angry emails about this. They're gonna be like, "Chris Summers talented, goddammit. <laughs> That's B. Carver at Animation Fishing for me, and Neil at Animation Fishing for my co-host. Remember, I was sort of pretending. <laughs> no, no, no. It's no. We like Chris Summer when she's not doing sassy. Yeah. Just like I'm sure that one Wayne brother's good when he's not doing a high, but I don't think he's ever not done high. And he's no Damon Wayne. Let's get that straight. Damon Wayne was an action star. He he, he starred with Bruce Willis for crying out loud. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Last Boy Scout. Oh, that's right. So he was the one who escaped. He he was like the Alec of the Baldwin Baldwins in that he got some good roles, and then his brothers like, hey, we can do this too, and it's like, no, you can't. No, the only other, the only Baldwin I like is Steve because he's like, he's like, yeah, I'm a loser, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> I don't know. I... Well, some of the other Baldwins don't they do cartoon voices? Some of them do, at but least, uh, at least one of them. But you know, I, back I to Tom have... Hanks. Tom Hanks' brother is a voice actor too. Oh yeah. And uh, and Sylvester Stallone's brother does uh, does uh, World's Dumbest. With other stars like Tanya Harding. For <laughs> the back to Dungeons and Dragons, it's a uh, yeah. I don't. I only remember a couple of select episodes. Like I remember, like I said, the Dragon's Graveyard, the one where where uh, Cavalier became the the Dungeon Master. Um, let's see. Yeah, Cav- Cavalier had like a had a real uh, thing for transforming. He there was one where he became uh, where he became a bog monster and. In order to uh, in order to reverse the spell, he had to had, he had to find the thing that he hated the most. And at the end of the episode, they actually find their way home, but they had to turn back for some reason. And when he came back, he was like, "Oh, I hate this world!" And he changed back to his normal human form. <laughs> yeah, the Cavalier was the butt monkey of the show. Yeah, yeah, I, I, he had yeah. I remember like 
at least four episodes where his face got transformed into something hideous. That was like a running gag. Well, that's what the butt monkey. Well, that's what happens to the butt monkey. It's a uh, butt monkey. By the way, is a uh, is a Joss Whedon term mm. from uh, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where Xander says, "I'm tired of being the butt monkey. No more butt monkey." Because <laughs> anyone who even has a passing familiarity knows that Xander is the butt monkey of Buffy. Yes. But yeah, Cavalier was totally the butt monkey of Dungeons and Dragons. But he got all the good lines. Yes, he did. Sadly, none of those lines could get him home. But yeah, they they, they went back home at least twice, right? Yeah, there was. I remember where... one where they went home, but because they came back home, they opened the door for Avenger to come with them. Yeah, yeah, that's the other one. Other than the one where he was transformed into the Bog Monster, the other one was uh, yeah when Avenger followed them. They're like, ah, oh, we have to go back so that Avenger will follow us back and not take over our world. Because he was always after their weapons, so if they went back, then he'd have to follow them. Yeah. And their weapons were pretty good, but you never got the sense that they were that powerful, except for the Dragon's Graveyard episode, because he pretty much shrugged off their attacks. So either they weren't that skilled in it, they were only like a level two, or, you know, Benjer knew something about unlocking the powers, and Dungeon Master was an ass for keeping them on the low setting. <laughs> And that's the one thing that, you know, once you get older, you start realizing Dungeon Master is an ass. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because at yes. first, for young, for young children that first watch it, it's like, oh, he's this wise old man like Yoda. And then when you get older, he's like, this guy's an ass. Yeah, he's just, <laughs> he's just having fun with these kids. He's totally fucking with them. He's like, yeah, my, my clue will be enough. I'll get out of it. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there was a comic book, apparently, Pablo. Yep, and there is an adaptation that I got two issues that were edited by Comics Forum, uh, which is uh, a Spanish edition. However, I believe uh, it was this was actually published first in what's the name? Well, I, I guess Marvel would have done them. Uh, it's just something like the first uh, issue that I got. Uh, has the Eye of the Beholder. I don't know if that was an actual episode back then, but uh, the seventh issue, that's the other one that I have, is actually the first episode that we were watching right now. Mm. Uh, this usually has a, like an inside cover, a uh, small intro that would work as the intro for the TV show that explains how the kids got there, and then you move into the episode. Um, it, some of, the, of these panels are lifted straight up from the from the episode itself, the animated series, and while some of the others are redone in order to make it easier to understand, since with no animation it wouldn't actually work. And the panty shots are in there, too. So oh, and that's another thing. This is the only cartoon I ever saw where the opening wasn't a song, but with them just running around and explaining how it happened. And you don't see that. I know I've seen it elsewhere, but yeah, it is very rare. It's, there's no song explaining how it happened. There's no song just playing. No, it, it shows it, it. It has them talking. It shows them going to this world and it has them talking to people. And it's like this explains everything. So in the first episode, it's not like them showing the first episode. The first episode is them already there trying to find the way home. Because the exactly. opening, the opening does all the exposition for you. Which is great because you can get to to watch the epi the series anytime. Everything is a good uh, 
new readers entry point. Yeah, and that, that that's a good point because uh, because uh, lots of cartoons uh, after this has a problem with trying to do trying to explain a backstory or trying to do an intro episode. Yeah, and if you miss that, then you're screwed. Yeah, that's actually one of my pet peeves is that you know we're we're now in the age where everything needs to be explained and. We we have the the introductory episode. And for some cartoons it works, but for some it's just not necessary. And this is the cartoon where they knew it was not necessary. They we, they had fun characters from the start, so they just dropped us in and said, "Here's what's going on, and enjoy the episode." Well, now getting all the speaking of all of that, and also of just Warren, that's why I'm interested in what what's going to happen with Avengers. After all. Uh, it's a sequel to five different movies or four movies, and it's also the first time that it's like, okay, you know who these characters are, and now we're gonna do something new with them, or at least we're gonna try. So, Agent Coulson is going to fucking carry that movie. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Robert Downey, who? No, it's gonna be Agent Coulson. That 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 was a nice. <laughs> the the actor says that he's actually going to do something pretty badass in Avengers. Oh, what exactly? Did, did he hint at something more than that? No, but he said this after there was footage of him being filmed in a scene with Loki. Apparently, he takes down Loki from the looks of it. Wow, that would be neat. I'd love to see that. Really? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, it's. I don't know. It's it's just uh, we're so used to to seeing the the ultra bad guys being taken down by you know teamwork or something. That just having Agent Coulson go, you know, I'm gonna take you down, and then taking him down. That would be like wow. I I would ha- not have seen that coming. <laughs> I mean, this is not like uh, I don't know Forbidden Kingdom, where the the new kid has to learn martial arts and magic. And then saves the day. It's like, no, no. This is like a supporting character that actually goes and kicks ass. That 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 would be something quite impressive. And we can have I don't know a giant door and then Tiamat coming out and Thor beating it just to have you know the giant monster climax scene. We all know we need a giant spider there. Giant spider shit. Ah, why didn't they ever film? Wild West 2. Wild Wild West 2. No, they shouldn't. Just think of the possibilities. I did, and it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, such a pity. That that could have been so not bad. But it, well, it didn't go well. So, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. How uh, much have you three, three, epi- three episodes were Paul Dini episodes, but Buzz Dixon and Jeffrey Scott and Steve Gerber seem to be the other big names on the uh, writing. Yeah, Michael Reeves as well. Those are the big writers. But yeah, Paul Dini wrote three episodes in the first season. Oh. Uh, it, which episodes exactly? Because I'm curious about something related to that. Uh, the Hall of Bones, The Valley of the Unicorns, and uh, where's the other Paul Dini? Paul Dini. Let's see here. Two actually, it was only those two. It was Hollow Bones and Valley of the Unicorns. Hmm. What what are the plot lines? Let's see. The, they were episodes three and four, but Paul Dini. Yeah. Paul hmm. Dini wrote for Marvel Productions. <coughs> hmm. 
Yeah, the one with the unicorns was, uh, it was one of Vendor's uh, underlings of stealing unicorns, or, or stealing horns from unicorns to uh, become more powerful than Vendor. I thought they were going to use the horns from unicorns to make Apple's next eye device because it's supposed to be revolutionary and magical. Hmm. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, Buzz Dixon wrote uh, one episode. One episode. The Quest of the Skeleton Warrior. Oh, yeah. But uh, oh. you remember the episode where where a uh, where a Nazi pilot was uh, was stuck in the realm of Dungeons and Dragons, and Venger was going to use him to change the change change it to where Hitler won the war, right? I did not see that episode. It's it should be noted that I've seen all of these episodes, but I saw them when they originally aired, so. My memory is not very good for the ones. Yeah, so so there was a there was a there was a uh, see one of the biggest time travel plots ever is if you change history in any way the Nazis win. Oh yeah, and they sometimes ride dinosaurs too. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, there's a. Uh, you know, you always have Tiamat chasing the kids and uh, Venger chasing the kids. And then when J- Venger and Tiamat see each other, they're like, oh, fuck, the kids are going to fight. We're going to fight now. And the kids run away. That's, oh, our, that's sort of a I, running I, thing I, that happens. Hmm. Oh, there, there's, there's one trope in there that I, that I see in a lot of episodes. Is that At the end of the episode, uh, uh, Venger gets beaten in a really fantastic way. And they go, is that the end of Venger? And then, like... And then Venger uh, emerges, you know, and uh, rises up, and they're like, "Oh, I guess not." Yeah. Uh, I remember one where they actually stuck him in an exploding castle. Yeah, there yeah. are a lot of there are a lot of episodes where he like apparently met his demise in an exploding or or uh, collapsing castle. And then I remember died. that because the smoke coming up from the explosion comes up and it forms the shape of Venger to be like, "Screw you, kids! I'm going here." Yeah, they did that a lot. But actually, I remember that because that was actually really well animated, that that Avenger cloud. Mm-hmm. Spooky, really, was what it was. Oh, that's, that was the footage that I thought was the, the final episode thingy. Yeah. It, it looked pretty epic. Yeah. That, that would have been a nice final episode imagery. Yeah, and, and like Lotus War, there actually are some good dragons, too. Oh, yeah. Oh. There's... There's one episode where they ripped off the the story of uh, Jack and the Beanstalk and uh, the the giant at the top of the at the top well it was a tree but still the giant at the top was stealing the golden eggs from from a gold dragon and uh, and uh, they ended up rescuing the egg and it hatched and the dungeon master shows up at the end of the episode he's like ah you you saved the golden dragon one of the few good dragons left in this realm. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, like I said. That reminds me. That just reminds me of Lotus War because Lotus War is the only other animated property I've ever seen with good dragons, as well as bad dragons. Plus a similar similar theme. But uh, we should do a Lotus War episode in the future. Neil, put it on the record. Okay. Then again, I'm not sure if Neil's a Lotus War fan. It's like this cartoon. It's been a really long time. I, I need to do some catching up. <laughs> I know I still have a couple episodes on VHS. Okay. Okay, but uh, I think I think we're going to sort of wrap this up unless we got some more points for Dungeons and Dragons, guys. Hmm. Well, here there's one last thing. Uh, that the Eye of the Beholder episode 
is the second episode. It's the first comic that I got here. And The Night of Not Tomorrow was the first episode and the seventh comic. And it seems it was like a, a Spanish exclusive episode. Mm. Or at least so it seems, because I haven't found any of the of the comic book covers that isn't the, how do you call this, the, the English version or the American version, mm. which is quite odd. Uh, well, then there's the DC Comics Advanced Dungeons and Dragons comic that never made any sense to me and here was released like just playing Dungeons and Dragons and had a centaur. And that's all I'm going to say. Oh, if you if you pull down on this website, Neil, if you go down, this, the shot of uh, Dungeon Master and Bender, that's from the that's from the uh, Dragon's Graveyard episode where he says, Rise, my son. Ah, I see. I believe that's all of Yep. But Looks yeah. like a woman there almost. Yeah. But uh, overall, I would recommend this cartoon. It's, you know, it's... <laughs> I, like the, I like the 80s Toei style, personally. So so yeah. anything that's 80s Toei, I'd say watch. Yeah. And yeah. Even, though, even though some of those early 80s Toei cartoons had a lot of mistakes in them, like the, like the Decepticon jets uh, changing colors all the time, this cartoon <laughs> has very few errors in it. And the ones that exist are extremely forgivable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's barely noticeable. And it has many interesting animation experiments in there. Since it's all uh, it's a whole world of magic and stuff, they're always trying to make new animation tricks in order to represent the spells and whatever magic they're doing. Lots of transformation and animation and also... Uh, they they have nice character designs and good characterization both in the writing and the designs. And you know what? I, again, I'm going to say it. They could have really backsheet the shit out of this up, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. They could they could have easily just gone to the back lot that had a bunch of people running around in bad costumes and then painted on them after doing a high contrast on the films and say, "There we are. There's, there's the monsters." Yeah. You know, we actually got a decent show. Yeah, I'd watch it. So I think that's three recommendations. Oh yeah. So yeah, this is definitely worth watching. It's uh, should be available to watch in several different channels and uh, forums and. Uh, yeah, and I think uh, they did release a DVD. So, and I think it's the entire series. I believe it's a DVD that even has a dramatization of the final little script. Of yeah. the really? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I read. Well, damn, we need to pick that up. <laughs> All right. Well, let's. Uh, well, I do have one one little note about uh, about season two and three. Uh, we said earlier that uh, that they knew how to how to keep things going along, but season two and three together uh, are really combined. They're about the same length as season one. That happens. Yeah, but still, hmm. you know, you get technically two two full seasons out of this cartoon, and it really is enjoyable. Well, twenty seven episodes is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, like, this could have easily been just nothing. <laughs> Oh, uh, I found in the the whole radio play thing here, it's uh, the 2008, uh, is it? No, 2005 uh, and 2007 release of the DVD has the radio play for the final episode of Requiem. But there's a 2009 DVD release that has no extra features that doesn't have the, the radio play. Well, that's because the Marvel Productions was bought by Disney and Disney has no extra features. Uh, yeah, but I don't think Disney owns this cartoon. I think it defaulted to, to uh, Wizards of the Coast. 
Oh. So who knows why that's the case. Well, I, I just like blaming Disney on these things, Neil. Yeah, I know, but, you know, Disney doesn't... Disney doesn't own everything that Marvel Productions made. They certainly don't own the Pink Panther. <laughs> oh, I hope they don't. That that ruin all sorts of things. But they do, oddly enough, own a lot of the the Freeling to Patty cartoons. I don't know exactly which ones because I don't know many of them. But apparently, they own a lot of them. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. But yeah, it's uh, Dungeons and Dragons. These were one of the first cartoons where they really started the. Where, you know, most of the production was shipped over. Mm-hmm. And, you know, th- this is around the time where, you know, people, people were drawing lines in the sand. I mean, you had, uh, you had Filmation say, no, it's all going to be here. And you had, you had Marvel Productions that says, that's not, that's, that, that's not a sustainable model anymore. We need to do something else. Yeah. And I think they were experimenting with that in the second season of uh, Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends. Yeah. Let's give this a try. The second season's only three episodes. Yeah. And when when, <laughs> when it appeared to work, that I think that's when they uh, said, okay, we can do this. Well, then why did they do the third season at home again? I I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but, when it, but when they started producing new shows, they, that's where they went. But yeah, it's uh, I think I think we all can easily say that Dungeons and Dragons is a recommendation. You should go buy the earlier edition of the DVD to get the radio play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe exactly. some maybe some adventurous internet animator will animate that episode for us. I Pablo, trying. Oh, oh, come on, man! I need some space. I need some time for myself. I don't have a life, Neil. <laughs> Do we I gotta stop working someday. <laughs> Neil is uh, what's Harry? I haven't had vacation since 2004. What's Harry doing? Uh, 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 Stephen the lesbian, apparently. Damn it! I want more of that, so I can't say. Yeah, it's going to switch gears on that. I, I I haven't read that last episode. Maybe we can re-edit it from different old stock footage. What do you think this is? That, that thing I could do. What do you think this is? Ninety Spy- uh, Spider-Man? <laughs> <laughs> Tremble before me, Nineties Marvel, for I am it's the new. True! It's true. It's <laughs> true. I know. I think there was one one episode of Ninety Spider-Man that only had five minutes of new animation. Oh, that was probably the first episode with the laser. No, that episode was all new animation. It was all TMS. It's oh. the only it's the only good looking episode of that because that was before they took the masters of him fighting the lizard and started recycling it so much that it started getting grainy. Oh, true. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that was special. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, maybe maybe someone will actually produce that final episode, or maybe the show will get a relaunch because they're already relaunching everything else from the eighties. Yeah, but it it would never be the same. I mean, well, that's certainly true because this really was a product of its era. Because you know, you really can't see because tabletops are nowhere near as popular anymore because it's all MMOs now. And you know, maybe they'll make a World of Warcraft cartoon similar to this, but no, they won't. Uh, do you think they'll go to a roller coaster there, or they get sucked by the PCs? Uh, if they do suck by the PCs, it will. It'll, they'll probably do a live action segment like Captain N. Wow. She also had a Maybe I'm Coming Back Home episode. More than one, actually. We, we can have a, you know, track similarities between the, these two series. 
Uh, some other time, not today. <laughs> but yeah, re- remember that? Remember that, that cartoon, Neil? Which cartoon? Captain N. The Game Master. Oh, yeah. <laughs> With Game Boy. Oh, God. Game Boy. <laughs> Game Boy skipped over Scrappy and just went straight to Flim Flam. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is your host, Ben. And T. Smith Neil. I'm Bob Alright, yeah, then we're. And we're saying, uh, check out Dragons and Dragons and uh, Mazes and Monsters while you're at it, and good night. <laughs> good night. Do you like retro shows? Did you grow up in either the 80s or the 90s? Then tune into Telecast, geekcastradio.com's newest podcast. Join us here on the Telecast as we revisit some of your favorite shows, such as Clarissa Explains It All, Salute Your Shorts, Saved by the Bell, and much, much more, only on geekcastradio.com. Do you have the link to the episode, Neil? Oh, oh. Yeah, I Okay, good. Well, uh, let's get this buffered up because we're going to start this commentary on episode one of Dungeons and Dragons. So that way, we can all see an episode just recently and just uh, everyone buffer at at zero seconds and we should be good. You might, you might take some finagling, Pablo, but you have to get it to zero seconds. Working it? <laughs> Don't stop. You know, if you're talking about Thief, uh, the girl Pink or whatever, she also has panty shots in the comic book, so that must have been a trope or something for her. Sheila, the thief! And then you have the acrobat who's uh-huh. who is just in the bikini at all, all the time. And that's quite all right with me. Yeah, she has a... She, and her weapon is a staff. Yeah. A whole staff. You know, well, people actually... Well, well uh, I think I can play it now. Are we all on zero? Yes, let's do the count. Five, four, three, two, one. Start! All right, they're, they're going on the ride because... Uh, Board games are not safe. Look at all these <laughs> toy monsters. And then they go in a train. This is the first intro I ever see, saw for a cartoon that doesn't have, like, a song. Yeah. That's true. But, you know, dialogue. I remember when they re-aired this on Cartoon Network, they actually put a song to this. Oh. But it wasn't... a bad habit. No, it was actually like an orchestral thing. Oh. Good. And that sums it up, I guess. The Night of No Tomorrow. We have a chill credits. Mark Manier, right Oh, see, they didn't even have to do, like, an intro episode because the intro was the intro episode. So yeah. you just That's jump so right smart. in the action. That jumps yeah. right in. I kind of like that about 80s. I got to do something like that sometime. They don't waste a lot of time in this cartoon. But an echo. Yeah, we got an extra echo there because some of us are out of time. But that's okay. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> This character is awesome. 
Who, the Cavalier? Yeah, Eric. Do you think they were trying to cash in uh, My Little Pony with, with that little pony? <laughs> with Uni, the unicorn? Yeah, yeah, I think they were. This was around the same Holy time. crap. Which, wow, we have this guy in the intro, and now he's... Only it's a female. Wow. Yeah, that's right. Tiamat's supposed to be a female. Yeah, this was around the same time as the first My Little Pony cartoon. And you'll notice that Uni is actually cuter than the ponies. So they're climbing and they accidentally ran into Tiamat's cave. Yeah. Oh, you're right, Neil. The animation is actually really good for this. Yeah, it's awesome. And this is just the first. Well, this is the first episode. We should check another one. No, it's no. I I don't think it ever dropped that far below this. No, it it really didn't. It it actually got better. Oh, I, I think I remember even seeing something that I believe was the final episode, but then I, I got told that there wasn't a final episode. No, they had one written. They had one written, but they never produced it. Yeah, and, we'll talk about that in the, in the actual. But episode. yeah, it's a Dungeon Master's head really is shaped like that. That's not an animation error. Yeah. <laughs> if it was Acom, you think, no, nah, they did something wrong. But no, this is Toei. That's what's supposed to be. Acom. That's the actually. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> yeah, there are multiple moons, there are multiple suns. This world is weird. So Avenger has one horn. And he's cross eyed. Yeah, Avenger is not drawn very well in the first episode. But he gets really he gets really cool looking in the later episodes. Yeah. And then you had Dungeon Master do with the Batman. Right in front of the uni. <laughs> Don't you love how girls bond? Yes. They're always in sync, like with the... If I remember correctly, oh, no. Paul Dini was on the staff of this cartoon as well. Oh, yeah. And the thing is this. Whenever nice. Paul Dini is on staff somewhere with a cartoon, even in episodes he doesn't write, the dialogue feels a lot more natural. Because it really does feel like it's two people talking to each other. Hmm. I love this hat. It also always features uh, a female magician. Yeah. Can't blame him. Hello. But yeah, when you when we whenever you watch a Paul Dini episode of this, you, you'll know it because because Paul Dini is very natural with dialogue. Indeed. Yeah, uh, I wasn't really paying attention to who wrote the episodes, but I know he wrote the one where. Uh, there's the one wizard who's stealing all the unicorn horns. Yeah. And that is a really kick-ass episode. Yeah. 
Okay, let's see here. You still recording, Neil? Yeah. Okay, good. We seem to have lost Pablo. I I, I had done enough or something. No, you're fine now. You're fine now. So Merlin's castle is. You know what? When a magic ladder falls from the sky, you shouldn't just climb up on it because it most likely isn't good mojo. Oh, by the way, but it's shiny. The, the, you can uh, fight the shininess. <laughs> the clue that we heard that we missed earlier was you'll know Bender by his white hair. Now you'll 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 catch the uh, the uh, the pun later. They're coming up here in just a couple minutes. So they left Uni behind, so no more uh, Rainbow going. Actually, Uni isn't is not as annoying as some of uh, uh, Frank Walker's other animal voices. That's a he actually manages to be cute. Usually, he's just annoying because he does like crying dogs and, and dolphins and all manner of things whimpering, and it's just awful. Extend those staff. Extend. It extends. Trying hard not to make a joke about extending staffs, but when you have when you have a girl in a fur bikini, it's it's hard not to. Now look at what he's holding. And it takes them a really long time to figure out that that's a white hair. So that's like a wig and a hat. Yeah. It's a wig and a hat. So it's like Gallagher. God damn it. <laughs> that's good animation with that hand. Yeah. His hair disappeared for a second. Yeah. He's leaving! You guys go home. Oh, Tiamat's back. <laughs> so, see, wow. if you live in this world, you have small doors. Yeah, why is that door that big? Just for Tiamat. <laughs> In case Tiamat wanted to show up. Force pull. I want, remember one thing they implied in the cartoon was that Presto was the most powerful of them all. Yeah. But that fucking hat never worked. That's true, but they implied that yeah. once he figures it out. Go through a smaller door! <laughs> hey, remember this was Sambo era, so that probably didn't matter to the giant monster. Yeah, yeah. A four by four will stop a giant multi-headed dragon, unless it was directed by Michael Bay. 
Wolf, my only nemesis. See, this is kind of sad to say, but this and X-Men Evolution are the best two cartoons that Marvel ever made. <laughs> <laughs> In 30 years. <laughs> and I remember each head did something different, right? Yeah, but I don't remember them ever touching on that in the cartoon. I don't think they touched upon that in uh, Final Fantasy either, which was basically stealing from Dungeons & Dragons. Oh, no, they're, they're not doing the that trick, are they? Oh, oh yes, they are. <laughs> you know Tiamat has wings, right? Yeah. He doesn't know it. <laughs> don't say oh, yeah. it out loud. Tiamat is one of the four fiends in the first Final Fantasy game. This is probably something like with Pokemon and how Scyther can't learn fly, but Pidgey can. <laughs> you know, for a strange yeah. reason, a giant, giant winged insect can't carry you flying, but a tiny dove can. There's something just wrong there. You know about Lavender Town, right? What about Lavender Town? Everyone's dead in it. Whoa. This is like the worst. I did not know that part. <laughs> this this almost looks like the Zelda cartoon. A whole town of Bruce Willis's. That walk uh, yeah, loop isn't very good, but this is good. This is good with her face. That's good. Yeah. yeah. They actually have good characterization and designs, too. The colors are a bit over the top when it comes to the characters, but it just works. I think the colors work. They aren't too bright. They aren't pastel-y. Yeah. I mean, they could have backsheet this up real bad. Yeah, a lot. And they seem to stay on model most of the time, too. Yeah. Sounds like hot dog ingredients. <laughs> See, this was, I think this was still one of the earliest uh, outsourced Japanese cartoons. I mean, they, they, they've been doing it since, like, the 60s, but not, but in the early 80s, that's when they really started uh, using Japan a lot. And that's why you don't just start mixing chemicals. Oh, that shot of dragon's head isn't very good, but... Yeah. Uh, the, the castle break-in was, was completely out of the color palette of the original background there. But I really like the the whole dragon becoming real animation. That was quite neat. She didn't say maximize. Oh, okay. 
It's like if Optimus Prime was evil. It's the island of the Keebler Elves. Yeah, you don't explain it after you explain it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's like <laughs> probably the worst. Oh, that's pretty good. That one, not so much. So these are a bunch of teenage kids that lived in the suburbs, but they know how to ride horses. Oh, there was a panty shot. Was it Sheila again? Yep. Yep. Yeah, definitely her thing. That's a very detailed legend. Was Presto's real name ever given? Yes. For some reason, it's the only one that I never caught. Albert. Albert, oh. Every time Bender shoots a beam from his hand, it sounds like Megatron's fusion cannon. He wants to rock. Hmm. Well, Sheila's skirt is really short. <laughs> Believe in the heart of the cards. Sorry. <laughs> Duel. <laughs> 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 
You know what I found lately? I I I tried to understand what what was back again, and I still can't get it. I I I just don't get how it works. I can get how Yu-Gi-Oh works. I can get how Pokemon works. I can get this weird mix of the two. Mm. The, the game itself, the, the game they're trying to sell to me, I don't get it at all. See, that's what, so you, I guess just have, I guess it's better to have a Tiamat-sized door because that way Tiamat can just walk through just versus destroying your shit. <laughs> Definitely. Uh... He threw what was from the lint trap. How could he see the dragons disappearing? Uh, maybe it's meta commentary. <laughs> But how do you get it from Venger? He never bothered explaining. It's going to be a dugly looking cow, isn't it? <laughs> you saw that coming, didn't you? <laughs> oh. Well, they drew, they drew the I, character I, design once, and I bet they kept, like, we better use this more than once in this episode. Yeah, because it's a really good character design for a cow. <laughs> hey, come back here! Now, have you guys ever heard of <laughs> back at the backyard? And it's a Logan show about a uh, barn. Yeah, it's a Japanese designer, it looks like. Let's see here. Peter Cullen, Sheila, Voices, Storyboard, Ball yeah, Design. One thing I didn't see in this was, uh, was Chris Lada, but I know I've heard his voice in at least a couple episodes. Toei Animation. Gary Gygax! Yep. Was a producer. And weirdly, I don't think I saw. Uh, uh, Flint Dilly's name either. I don't think he was involved in yeah. this cartoon. He was yeah, involved he was. in board games. Which is really funny because he was in cartoons and he was in board games, but he wasn't in the cartoon about the board game. Yeah, yet he did like all of the other Marvel cartoons. But uh, we finished the episode commentary, Terry, for episode one of Dungeons and Dragons.